want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. My guest today and I, Spring Groove, have known each other for a very long time, you all. And we had such a fun chat going down memory lane, of course, but also digging into her journey. Spring Groove is a former Broadway performer, an international touring artist with 12 original CDs, the creator of Sing Yourself Alive Masterclass, and the proud founder of Yummy Time. That's your ultimate music meditation yoga time. Spring delivers musical medicine and peace of mind, fusing her training from the Boston Conservatory and the Shivananda Vedanta Center, along with her Broadway, busking, and bhakti experience. To say she's a fascinating person and a true artist is an understatement. And on today's episode, you're going to learn how to give yourself permission to slow down. What is your ultimate meditation music time and how you can implement and use it? and how to take parts of the self and synergize your business. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Okay, my friends, on the podcast today with me, I am sitting across from this beautiful face who I was thinking about this before we came on. You by far... I have known longer than any other guest on this podcast, and I'm so honored to have you because we have been friends for decades, ever, <laughs> almost 30 years. That's so nice. I love that. Without giving away our age. Yeah, well, you know, what can you do? We could only go with it, you know, and do it with some grace and dignity. But I was actually wondering that because I know, you know, you've got people on there that you've worked with. And I was wondering, like, how long, how long we have known each other. Yeah, through many different kind of versions of ourselves and careers. And it's cool. We've taken these really similar parallel paths, which is part of what I think has has drawn us to each other. Or kept us together. Yeah, kept us, kept us moving forward together. And I want to go into a little bit of that so that my audience who clearly doesn't know you as well as I do, 30 years, can have a little sense of you. So let's back up to how we met. Okay. I was thinking about this today too. Oh my God, this is going to be fun. (laughs) We were literally party favors. I don't mean figuratively. (laughs) I mean, we were literal party favors. Isn't it so nice, though, that we could actually still talk about it? Because it was such a crazy thing when you describe what that job was. It was just so much fun. I remember really having a good time. I felt like I got paid to dance with my friends at people's parties. Like every part of it was kind of joyful. Even when we're, our, our dressing room was like a downstairs freezing closet and, you know, we had no lighting to do like very elaborate makeup. And five minutes to get into it. I felt like we we still managed to actually have fun. It was fun. I felt that we were blessed to have that kind of a side gig rather than the waiting tables or, I don't know, some other things that people did to get by in New York. Yeah, because at the time we were both 
performers were both like, you know, doing the Broadway dream, living the Broadway dream. And so that everyone understands, rather than waiting tables, rather than having a side gig, we danced at parties. And they were like everything from like these huge corporate events to like the bat mitzvah. That were like $30,000 bat mitzvahs in the 90s or 80s. It was like a lot of money. It was very elaborate. It was super privileged. (laughs) And there we were, like party favors, like getting grandma to dance or the CEO. Like it was, yeah. And I think there's something about that time that bonded us all because we were in these like super strange circumstances. We would be like in the closet changing our clothes at this like elaborate party. (laughs) And I think there's some camaraderie from all of us that did it, especially those of us that we called ourselves a team. Those of us that like did it frequently. Yeah, frequently. It was like, it was our job. And we traveled to amazing places. That too. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I've ever been in Hawaii was with with this company. Yeah, we went. It Mexico was, City, Puerto Vallarta. Like, you know, we traveled. We traveled. It was really fun. It was fun. We were lucky to have that job and lucky to still be able to kind of like look back and laugh together at it because it just sounds probably so crazy to the new people we meet and just try to describe <laughs> it too. They'll never really, really, really get it. No, the costumes alone. But during that time, you were also a Broadway performer. So you were you you did a couple shows, right? Well, that's why that job was so good. I literally started that job when I was 16. And then there were periods of time that I left. Like I left, well, I left to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wound up like creating a whole Boston company of dancers for the Boston jobs, which many I'm still in touch with. Then I came back and then, you know, then I was working on Broadway. So I left again. Then I came back. Like it was just the kind of thing you could like pop in even up for a weekend if you needed a job that weekend or for that three months that you were between jobs. So yeah, it also had that, the coming and the going and each time we did work together, you know, someone else was leaving. So it was like these little reunions in a way. Yeah, I mean, that that's why I loved it so much is it was so flexible. Yeah. That you, you just said, I'm available or I'm not available. The end. Nobody questioned. Nobody felt bad. There was no guilt. You were supposed to be doing exactly that, coming and going. Uh, which I really, really appreciated at the time, the money, because it was decent money. It was more money than I could have made doing anything else. And it was reliable. Uh, you know, I would imagine like waiting on tables, you know, has more of an ebb and flow. You know, if you're dependent on tips like this, like you knew what it was, you had it in advance. You had like a month full of, of work ahead of you that was like locked in. And it was working with like, like, you know, people that were pretty much in the same boat as you. So then you could, like, be in the closet in the dressing room talking about your audition that week. And, oh, I got a call back. Oh, you did, and I did. Yeah, and and you were having a nice success. Even intermittently, you would come back, and but you were having a really nice Broadway career. But you made a very big, bold decision to make a change. I did. I left. I left New York. I mean, truth be told, I think, you know, it was after not getting, like, five or six Broadway shows that I was, you know, down to the wire and didn't get that I decided. And I have to credit my ex-husband, if nothing else, he brought me to L.A. He was sort of the cheerleader for that move. I was a New Yorker. I never, I thought it was like Woody Allen. I never thought I would leave that island. I didn't think I could survive off of that island. Um, He was like, no, I think you should go out west. And 
see what the left coast has to offer. And I think you'd really like you there. I think you do well there. And I was already starting to like, I had already released one record. So I was already writing and recording my own music. And it did seem like a logical move. I also was frustrated with the Broadway scene. I felt like it was very limiting. I was limited as to what I would be, I think, right for. I think I even heard somebody say this in one of your former podcasts. I think they were ethnic background, but they're like, you know, the the same thing holds true. Like I wasn't 5'8 and looked like a Barbie doll. And like, I just, there was just going to be a limit to like what roles I could do being like 5'1 on a good day. And yeah, it just felt like now's the time. Now's the time to kind of like pivot. I did it. I got there. It was cool. Um, I also just had, like, way too much of an opinion about it. Yeah. I think that was also, I saw the writing on the wall. It was like, stand here, sing that, go there, do that. And it was cool that I got to do it, but I felt like I wanted to be just, like, more creative, more, less the puppet and more the puppeteer, so to speak. And that's exactly why I left. I had this moment, I talk about it actually in the first episode of this podcast, of being on stage at Radio City in the bare head and being like, I'm still doing, I'm still doing what we, we did, right? But in a much bigger way. And I was like, this is not my life. I don't want to be told to step on four and to count to eight. No, and- it was like, there was something actually robotic about it. Yeah. I would look up and be like, that light's wrong. And what's, why are they in that costume? And, you know, I wanted like the creative control that I, I clearly did not have. Yeah, me too. I had an opinion about everything the director was saying to do. And I felt like I knew more or wanted to have more say in all of it. So you got to LA and you began. So I got to LA and I continued on the songwriter path. I started to busk to play out on the Santa Monica Promenade and the Venice Beach Boardwalk. And that was kind of like my education as I didn't do like much of the bar scene. I did like the street to get better and more proficient and test out my original material. I had met an agent once who was like, so you're doing music or you're doing acting? And I said, I'm doing both. I thought that everyone in LA does everything anyway. So I thought, He was like, you can't really do that. You're going to have to pick. I picked music because I felt like, especially living in Venice at the time, I would have like one audition. It wasn't like New York. I realized, oh, in New York, like you could do eight things in one day. You're like, also I was young, but I was like ping-ponging, doing like a hundred things a day. It was great. In LA, I was like, oh, I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to be in the road for like over an hour. I'm going to sit in some waiting room with a bunch of absolutely drop-dead gorgeous women and feel ugly and redo my makeup 80 times. I'm going to go in the room and read like three lines, obsess about it for another hour, go home in an hour and a half traffic back to Venice. For what? You know, like I could have written a song in that day and like really felt like something magical happened in my day and be in control. Again, it was that feeling of like, I need to be more in control, even if it's a slower route. It's funny because... When I moved to Los Angeles, I had a very similar experience of like, I was so used to running and getting so much accomplished. It was really a a thing of beauty for me is that LA has slowed my ass down. Now that was pre-COVID. COVID COVID slowed us all down, right? It was all down. And truth be told, I mean, we are also getting older. So like, I think normally as you mature, you 
You don't want to run around as much. True. And you know what? You're entitled not to have to run around that much. I feel like we've earned that. We've earned the ability. We've grown wiser, figured out, like, how do I make more money? How do I have a richer life with being less busy? By doing less. By doing less. Less. People are like, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Like, I don't want to be busy. But back then you were. Yes. You were busking. You were busting your butt. How then did you transition into wellness? Kirtan. Yeah, in the wellness space. Uh, so I was playing out on the street, but you know, you live in LA, so of course you're doing yoga. And I was doing a lot of it because I had a lot of free time because I wasn't really working that much. And um, so I had, you know, a pretty solid yoga practice going on simultaneously. In a nutshell, I started going to Europe to play on the streets in Europe because a friend of mine told me how well he was doing and how well he thought I would do and how adventurous and exciting it would be. And so I thought I would try it and it did go very well and it was successful and it was soulfully super successful. And then one day I was invited to a little dinner party with like three friends. It One was a yoga teacher. One was another guy whose home we were in. And the other guy was a professional touring musician. He was a kirtan performer. And when we got there, there was a bit of a jam. And, you know, I was singing backup and whatnot. And there was some, you know, energy that was exchanged. And he turned to the yoga teacher friend of mine, I guess a, a week or so later, saying, oh, I'm going to Europe and I can't afford to bring another singer with me. I'm only going to be able to afford to bring a tabla player. Do we know anyone in Europe who's a singer? And she said, oh, well, Spring, who you just met and seemed to get on with, she's going to be in Europe because she does this whole like busking thing there. Maybe you can talk to her and see about her also joining you in Europe. And that's exactly what happened. I did his whole tour either before mine or after mine. And the next thing I know, I was a professional kirtan singer in a world of yoga, like hardcore yoga. Like we would go out after the gig and we would sit having a beer or somewhere of tea with the yoga studio owner. And they were talking about, I don't know, you know, they would start throwing all this yoga jargon, like doshas, koshas and all these Words that I didn't know what they were talking about. I was still just trying to learn what the mantras were, what these deities meant, you know, just trying to keep up with what this job was, even musically, because I was like the lead guitar player in this thing. And I didn't really consider myself like a great guitar player. I was still kind of trying to hone that skill and I was okay. So I was getting this opportunity to become a better guitar player and to absolutely get a yoga education and of course then I did go get like a formal uh, yoga education as um, through Shivananda which is a super traditional program and I had debated which program to go to and talk to my yoga teacher friend about it she was like oh my god you're gonna pick Shivananda that's like super traditional and I said yeah I think you jumped all the way in Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That's what I need. First of all, okay. There was a few things. It was in February, which was a great time to go to the Bahamas, which is where the training was. It was super traditional. And my training up until that point had been not very traditional. I was touring this in a kirtan band that was like kind of known as a rock and roll kirtan. He was like rocking out these mantras. It wasn't really traditional. And then my yoga teacher at that time was this woman, Samantha, and then Brian Kest, famous for power yoga. 
And uh, he was also kind of non-traditional, cursing in class and just trying to, like, get a rise out of people. And I just thought, wouldn't it be nice to at least go back to the source? Yes, maybe at the end of it I'll decide, like, that's not really for me, or maybe I'll cherry-pick what resonated. But I felt also an obligation to the tradition of yoga that I was now making, like, a living at. I felt mm-hmm. like it was it was my responsibility and to go just really go into traditional classical program. And I loved it. I actually really loved it. I loved the whole thing. And so then how did that influence your music and your business? I started two things. I started to incorporate mantras into my songs. Like maybe the song would be in English, but it would have this mantra chorus. Because I really liked singing mantras. There was something that was, it was like a direct transmission that got me out of the head with all these words and just like into the heart space of like a feeling. And I really did like that. And and even now, it's still an exploration of like where I fit in this very traditional practice. So I started to play with them. I started to integrate them into my songs. And then maybe like two years after my training, I released my first mantra CD. I'm like, what would it be like if I actually did a whole CD of just mantras? Like, what what would that sound like? What is my, you know, and I liked, I also was entertaining the idea of singing Hebrew mantras because I'm Jewish and that's my background. And in fact, the first mantras I ever heard were really in Hebrew, having thought about it later in life, just like somebody else, the first mantra they might have ever heard might have been hallelujah, because that's probably like the American most popular mantra. So I, the record had a couple of Hebrew songs, mantras that I wrote, and then Sanskrit ones, and mostly, I think, originals. And I just allowed myself to play. It was, uh, yeah, I was cool. I gave myself permission to, like, explore that, figure it out. I think I still had, I had some money from the apartment I owned in New York and I sold. And I just made records. I gave myself permission to really kind of explore my creative self, what that puppeteer looked like and not the puppet. Yeah, it was one of the things that I most admired about you during that period was that you were just going to make it happen. And you just absolutely did make it happen. That's very nice that you say that. Thank you. It means a lot to me. It's also just like, that's another reason why it's nice to have friends that have known you so long, because they are able to give you perspective of where you've come from, whether you Mm -hmm. like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to remind yourself of where you come from. We get so caught up in our bubble. We just think like where we were last month or last year and not like the whole journey, the decades of the journey. And you're right. Sometimes I get really down on myself, to be honest with you. Like I've lost my drive. I've lost my hustle. I'm not that like, ah, I'm going to, I think that's part of, again, we talked about getting old, slowing down, not wanting to hustle as much, wanting to do it on different terms, wanting to do it in a softer way. But that, that's been a struggle for me in the last like five years or so is kind of learning how to do it differently and giving myself a break for feeling like I'm not that 25, 35 year old. I'm making it happen. Yeah. Like, And maybe that's also leaving New York. You know, you come to L.A. and you just kind of like chill out a minute. You sort of your engines do cool a bit. Yeah, I mean, mine is mine is definitely cooled. And yet I am building a new empire. You're amazing. I mean, you have just kind of gone from like one huge success to another huge success, whether it's performing, directing, producing, working as a life coach and making each one 
a business. It's it's an inspiration. It really, really is an inspiration. And I thank you, and I'm grateful for you in my life, not just as a friend, but as a as a shining north star. You know, just living by example. I think that's how we inspire each other the most. Well, yeah, I, I think it's that we inspire each other because I get constantly inspired by you as well. That's nice. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I always look at you and think, oh, she's the artist I want to be. Wow, that is so, that's so lovely. I could cry. Because I constantly see you defining and redeveloping and growing and shifting through your art. And it's been such a beautiful thing to witness all of these years. And now you're taking yet another new turn, which really, as I'm looking at it, as we talked about all of these steps, makes so much sense. It's it's like insane. It makes so much sense. Well, I, and I thank God for all of the blocks, the building blocks that have come before. I mean, even my father looked at me one day and he's like, oh, you had to literally do everything you've done in order to do everything you want to do now. You know, it's like a merging, putting together the theater background, the playing on the street, the giving voice lessons, the teaching meditation and how to move mindfully with the yoga that I studied, you know, to put it all into something new. I I lost a friend. A friend of mine died. It's over 10 years now. He was a friend that I played with on the street. And he was a very big influence on me creatively. And he said to me once, being an artist, it is about what you make, the art that you make, but it's so much more about the life that you carve Mm. out for yourself, the way you put your life together in order to do your craft. And I never forgot that because it's so true. It's so, and that's, you know, could be called the hustle or could be called, you know, like, cleverly trying to brainstorm and put the pieces together, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And I think if you, if you are meditating and you are, or whatever you need to do to like open your awareness, then I don't know, for, I guess I can only really speak for myself. It's, it's always been about slightly curving to the left and slightly curving to the right and the pivoting and a little bit more pivoting and just kind of finding the new path and really listening to it and just taking the next logical step so talk to me about this next logical step which is yummy time it's yummy time so i lived in europe for a long time touring as a kirtan artist and eventually like teaching workshops stepping into the power of your voice with this man that i was touring with and then eventually on my own as a solo act and i did that for almost 10 years it became my primary residency was was Europe. And then at a certain point in time, it just felt like it was time to come home. It was just, I felt like I was kind of neglecting my family. I had two little nieces. I knew that I wanted to be a part of their lives and it needed to happen at those primary ages that I wasn't going to be able to come in at 10 and try to like build the foundation of like a beautiful relationship that I absolutely wanted with my brother's children. So that reason, I had a romantic relationship that was seemingly ending. The opportunities felt like I had sort of hit a ceiling there. All roads led, it just said, it's time to come home. I felt like I needed a plan. My mother had planted a seed in my head. It was very interesting. Yeah, my mother, just completely unbeknownst to her, my grandmother before she died, it lived in a variety of facilities. Those facilities had music people coming in, and she responded well to it. I, in fact, performed in one of the facilities for her when she was there with the people there. And my mother said, you would be very good at that. 
And I, I think I poo-pooed it at the time. I was like, yeah, but that's not what I want to do. But she put the seed in my head. And I, but I, and I felt like I needed a plan. So I, right, because of all the yoga, I, I liked the idea of using music and kirtan as a healing agent. That became very clear to me that I was not so interested in becoming like a famous songwriter, singer song, like that part had like sort of eased out. I didn't really want to perform in bars and smoky play that wasn't really pulling me. I love the idea of using music to help heal, which is what was happening in the yoga world. So I just felt like I needed a plan. And my plan, I created this idea of yummy time. I was like, well, put, what do you have to offer when you come back home? Brainstorm with yourself. I was like, well, I have music, I have meditation, and I have yoga. These are the three things that I've been teaching that I feel passionate about that I can share. And I thought, okay, how do you put that together? I came up with the acronym Yummy Time, Your Ultimate Music Meditation Yoga Time, and I really liked that. I liked the idea that yummy uh, wasn't just for kids, that it's like for adults, that we all deserve to have yummy. I mean, it was another way of like saying self-care. Yeah. It was like yummy time. And that just felt good. And I thought that maybe my target audience when I came home, probably because there were many people in my life, my sister-in-law being one, friends that were having kids, these very overwhelmed moms. So I thought that that was maybe going to be my audience and that maybe I would get a space or I would go to their house and I would offer like our sessions. And I had done this once before with a voice student that also wanted to learn yoga. And I thought that was weird at the time. I was like, you want to do yoga before the voice lesson? And she was like, yeah. I was like, okay, never done that before, but yeah, let's try it. In hindsight, realizing she wanted to just step into her power yeah. and she knew those tools would enable her to do that. I remembered that and thought, oh, wow, she really gave me something powerful. She gave me this idea of putting these things together. And so I created a little website. I had a plan. You know, I put this website together and I came home. I was sitting around like a community pool and like a Melrose place kind of thing with a friend. And um, this guy mentions the movie Alive Inside, which is this famous documentary now about how music affects Alzheimer patients. It's super powerful. And of course, I went home and watched it that minute. I told him, oh, yes. So the plan was I was going to go back to school to get a degree in music therapy. That was the plan. And I did start that plan. And I did take a psychology course because I didn't have any. I had a lot of music courses, but no psychology. And it requires a lot of psychology. I took a course online. You know, I was going to have to take like a whole curriculum. I'd get myself probably in a lot of debt to do it. And this guy who had recommended the movie said, well, you're welcome to come to a session with me if you want. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk a lot of, pardon the French, you know, like there's a lot of shit in L.A. And I was like, no, really? Like if you, I, I'll come. <laughs> yeah, don't ask if you don't want me there. And I was working. I did get a job when I came back to L.A. working for like a mommy and me music thing, which I was happy that was like a music job. But he said I can come with him. And so I was like, okay, on Monday I'm going to come. And I went to this assisted living facility. He brought his guitar. I brought mine. He played one. I played one. He played one. I played one. And, you know, we got, we got the residents, like, rowdy and having a great time. And he, uh, at the end of this, he was like, oh, shit. He was like, you can totally be doing this, like, full time. He was like, I don't know about the degree, but I don't have that degree, and I'm making a living. And I love my job. And I'll tell you how to do what I'm, you know, what you need to do to get these sorts of sessions. So that's essentially what happened. I was like, let me give it a year. Let me put the school thing on hold. 
I just called all these activity directors. I, I got a bunch of sessions and he was like, you're going to go in, you're going to do it for free for like 30 minutes. They're going to see you and hear you and then they're going to hire you. And I thought, well, isn't that awfully optimistic? But it actually did happen. And then I saw that a lot of these facilities, you have these calendars and they also had like Zumba or yoga, some sort of exercise. So, you know, I'm in hustling mode. I say to the activity director, by the way, I'm a certified yoga instructor. You know, I'll give you a deal if you hire me for two sessions, like music and yoga. And most of them said yes. And I started doing that. And then I just started realizing that's what happened. I realized that this yummy time I created essentially was happening. It just was happening with a different demographic at the time. But I was essentially using all of these skills with senior population. And um, I created my own version. I would do one hour sessions now because it was one hour. Any of those things for seniors could sometimes be a lot anyway, that the idea of like within one hour, we would sing for 20 minutes and then I would do like a guided meditation for 10 minutes. And then we would do like a gentle chair yoga sequence for another 15, 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was bringing a lot of light. I mean, it was, there was no question about it. I felt the rewards were instant. I mean, today I just came from a session. There was a guy that were like, I can't believe it. I've never seen this guy like this. I'm going to call his wife, the assistant said, and let her know. He requested Bob Dylan. He could barely speak. Mm. He had this smile. It was, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. It's kind of addictive when you feel like you're actually giving and it's being received so deeply. And they're telling you that, in fact. They're like, you have no idea how much you made my day today. And I could see it in their eyes that they're not just bullshitting. Like, it's really, the whole room changes. Their faces change. Everything changes. I'm like, oh, my God, this is working. This is amazing. Like, this is giving me purpose. And, like, I want to get out of bed in the morning to get there because I know that it's going to be the best hour of their day. It's very powerful. I feel really, really grateful and um, constantly, you know, having to learn new things, just equipment that's in the live situation. Now we're in a pandemic. So, like, all my places got shut down. Now I'm doing it virtually. This is, like, yet another launch, yet another arena. And how does it translate through a screen? But it does. But it does. I think what I love about this is, like, what your dad said. I think it was, you said it was your dad that... Everything led you here. Everything. Without, without one of those parts, you wouldn't actually be able to do this. Even the job that we did together. Yeah. Because that was just about like corralling energy and like being larger than life. And that's what a lot of the, at least for the seniors, that's what they need. They're just sitting a lot and just, they need someone to come in and just set their butts on fire, you know? And that's what happened today. They were like on their feet dancing to like old 50 songs and like having a party. That's what they need. Like every day, they just need the feeling of connection and joy and like a shot of adrenaline. Uh, and we sometimes think with the scene, we have to be so careful and so it's like, no, they need a zest for life. They need to be reminded of that too. So yeah, even that job together is a component in this whole thing. Yeah, I, I tell my students all the time that they are uniquely positioned for something. That all these little bits and pieces that can come together in this synergistic way, that is something that only they can bring into the world. 
And that is exactly what you have done. Thank you. It, it feels like that. I mean, and of course, I would like it to be bigger than me. Of course. Because there's only, I mean, hopefully with the internet and these Zoom sessions, that can change. My goal is that, you know, I could be on Zoom and I could be in like eight places at one time. Yeah. I could be, you know, these Zoom sessions thus far, I've had people from Germany and from my world in Europe now with my world in New York and now my friends in LA and at my bringing people together. And that part's really cool. That's really exciting to me. So I'm genuinely, each time I'm like, oh my God, I've got to like learn a new thing and promote a new thing. And I'm like, okay, well, what part of it are you actually really excited about? Yeah. And um, it's what I just described to you. So I'm like, lean into the part that you're really excited about. Well, because you've created this thing that can now be scalable. Yes. And also now I'm realizing that although the first population I was able to inject this upon was the senior community in LA and like over 12 facilities in Los Angeles, now I'm realizing, oh, this program can be altered for any population. Yeah. So like my jur I did one session, a friend asked me to do a session for Burning Man, which also was virtual this year. I've never been to Burning Man. Everyone always assumes that I lived Burning Man because I had blonde dreadlocks for 20 years and lived in Venice, which is a reasonable <laughs> assumption, but I never been to Burning Man. And I guess it went virtual this year. And a friend of mine from college asked me if I would do a Zoom session. Anyway, I didn't really know what was going to happen and who was going to show up, nor did he. But it was like this nice little smattering of Europe and New York and L.A., people I knew and people I didn't know, and all ages. So that was rather interesting, and I, I realized in that moment oh, this is for all ages. And one of my girlfriends from Germany, she was like, Spring, I would do this every week. This is so good for my soul. So I was like, okay, light bulb. I, I was like, what would you want to see happen in the session? She was like, well, I'd want to chant more because I know her from the yogi world. And I said, well, mm -hmm. certainly I can change instead of like singing songs to people. I'm doing a lot of sing-alongs. It could be half as many songs that are like infused with mantra. So you get a little bit of both and that's how that would change. So I'm excited. I'm excited about the the reach. I don't I feel like I'm at the very foot of the hill of or the mountain of where this could go and the expansion that it could have. Oh, without a doubt. One hundred and twenty percent. I see I see it being able to really explode, especially now, you know, the, the one of the great things about COVID is the barrier of entry for many people in the Zoom online space has sort of fallen away. We, we've gotten kind of used to it. On some ways, we're like, oh, roll eyes about it. And in other ways, look at the opportunity to bring people together from all different parts of the world. That's genuinely cool. I mean, right? I mean, to sing and to meditate. And I mean, how cool is that? How cool is that, that that's where we're at now, that everyone is willing to do it because now they know it, it's familiar. Two years ago, I you know, was in the online space and it was much more of a, a struggle. People would say, wait, what? You want me to do what? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, I'm starting to see that. I'm excited because I said to my parents, and you know my parents, and yeah. they're my dad's 81, my mom is 74. So they're the perfect target audience for me for the seniors. In fact, they've been my guinea pigs, and it's been amazing. Like I, we, I rehearse things with them all the time online, which makes it really sweet. We have this like real like quality family time, which is great. So I'm doing these Zoom sessions now, and I'm like, listen, Ma, maybe you want to tell your bridge friends about it. Maybe you want to invite some of your old friends from Florida 
and you can see each other on Zoom. And I said, listen, you're not selling anything. Right now it's for free. And, and I'm really blessed now because this nonprofit that I've been working with has agreed to pay for these Zoom sessions. So I can give them for free, which is an amazing opportunity right now. So I'm really blessed about this. So I'm just trying to get it out to as many people as possible. And I will cater it to the crowd that comes. So I said to my mother, Mom, do you think this mantra singing, which I thought is the direction, will scare off your bridge lady friends? And she's like, I don't think so. She said, I mentioned it to them and they seemed intrigued. Mm. And I said, okay, let's, let's go easy, you know, which is what I do with anyway with a lot of the mantras. We'll see. I, I, I test the waters. You know, I don't want anyone to freak out that they're joining a relig- religious cult or. I mean, look, we did a show together. We created a show together that did exactly that. So that's yet another piece of the pie, right? Like another piece of that, that over time you learned how to teach in a way that would draw people in and not repel people. Yes. I think because I am not a traditionalist, I, like I said, that's why I did that program. So at least I have an idea, Mm -hmm. but I'm not, I don't come from parents that know anything about any of these like yogic Hindu, Buddhist tradition. It was, you know, I come from, I'm a Jew from New York. It's like, it's a different world. So how do you teach older Jews from New York some of these really awesome yogic principles? Yeah, I just try to make it very accessible. I guess I'm still sort of doing that because I think there's just great tools that we've learned by submerging ourselves in that. I mean, who can't benefit from breathing deeply? And singing, you know, who can't benefit from that? And moving your body in a mindful way. I mean, And this is exactly why Yummy Time will work for everyone. Because who can't benefit from meditation? Who can't benefit from breathing? Who can't benefit from moving their body? Who can't benefit from singing? It's a communal, beautiful experience. Yeah. So I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to mold it for each particular population. I'm excited to, even the Zoom, which I was tearing my hair out about because it's not really set up for music. You see a lot of musicians mm-hmm. doing concerts on Facebook Live yeah. where it is more set up. The, the, the compression settings, they're more musician friendly. Same with Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was very necessary, at least at the beginning, that I wanted to create like a safe space. I also wanted to see people. Yeah. I didn't want to like, yeah. to me, music is about energy connection if it's just me like on an island going out it loses something so i wanted to Mm. protect the privacy of people and also contain it and also see people so it meant zoom and because it meant zoom it meant like really building like a better like a soundboard i had to buy so all the channels are going through there so you can have multiple things happening Zoom is really set up for like a speaker and a listener, not guitars, ukuleles, background tracks, banjos. I mean, that's what I have going on here. It's a lot. But then I got a green screen. I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun now. I could change the image for every song. So it's like I have this little TV show, essentially, in my living room. I love it. I live in this tiny bungalow that like can transform into like a little production space. So yeah, you said on one of the podcasts today, you said that I was listening to, you said something like, yeah, tell me no, and I'll show you how to make it happen. I'm like, okay, how do I make it happen in this little bungalow? How do I make my sessions that are vibrant and like potent in person? How do I bring that same punch? 
How do I make that as powerful in my living room? Go. You know what? You're still hustling. <laughs> it's just a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot softer. I reckon I am. It's just a lot softer. It's a lot easier than it used to be. I think we've gotten used to it a lot. And I think you're right. You don't have to be as crazy. You can be more focused yeah. with the hustle. Yeah. I think I think when we're younger, we were like reaching and reaching and trying. Blah, blah, and now we're like, this is what I do. I'm going to own it. And I'm going to own the space in which I'm in when I do it. Yeah. And I'm not going to do eight things today like I used to do when I was 30. Mm. I'm going to do one thing. Really well. I'm going to get to the bottom of this one thing today. You also said that in a thing. You were like, honor the small uh, victories. Yeah. Maybe it was in different words, but that's essentially the, the baby steps. Honor them. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Honor, you know, like it took me like, I can't even tell you how long to get through just how to do the mixing board and how to set. I didn't know. I'm, I show up at a gig and I give it to the sound guy. And say, you know, more high ends. Now I'm doing it. It like, it's taken some time and the green screen and like utilizing my fellow friends that don't know more than me and making that call to say, I don't, the green screen is weird. Why, what am I doing wrong? And like click on this button here. Okay. Thank you. You know, and like, that's good. That was a good day. I got the glitch of the green screen. That's a good day. That might've been it. (laughs) That might have been it, but like in the big picture, I know that's a very big component. Yeah, yeah. I totally get you. I totally get you. (laughs) So because Yummy Time is truly for everyone, where can people find you if they want a session? That's sweet. Well, you can always contact me. My website is Spring Groove, and, and under services, you'll see Yummy Time. So you can email me, spring at Spring Groove at any time spring at springgroove.com uh the website spring groove the the yummy time that is on that page now is specifically for seniors but i i'll be adding a new page this website is like <laughs> it started like 90 1997 it's like the hugest website it has like a hot because it just keeps on expanding i don't really take anything away i keep on just adding things and changing my hair, I guess. The Zoom sessions happen, you know, in my private Zoom room, and um, I'm happy to email the link and give people more information about it if they want private sessions, if they want sessions for an elderly person that may be at home that they want to do it with. I had like an ongoing four o'clock appointment with my parents. We would meet online at four o'clock and I would do the yoga sequence with them or I would do the meditation thing. I'm like, close your eyes, sit up tight. And my mother would say, you know, you could have told me to hold my leg underneath. You didn't tell me. And it was a lot harder than it probably had to be. Because she also does these yoga videos. So she's not a total novice. She was like, another thing is I have a teacher and she says this thing. I like it. She's like, you could raise your just one arm, but if you're feeling extra sassy, you can do it with two arms. I was like, all right, I'll take that. If you feel it extra sassy, I threw that in. I did everything she asked me to do. It was great. I had like feedback from her. We would meet every day, four o'clock. I had I love it. four and a half hours of content that I had to write in it, like to be done yesterday. So it was great. Yeah. Turned it into the production studio and we would just work it out. 
Well, I can't wait to see where this business goes because you've really proven yourself over that whole journey we talked about, about being an artist, but where you also are is a brilliant entrepreneur. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I, I, you know, I have so much respect for you and the success that you have had. And I, I aspire to have that same kind of success for this business. I do believe in it. And knowing that you believe in it too, gives, brings me a lot of hope because I am learning how to be a business person now on top of. You're not learning. You already have been your own personal business for 30 years. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for reminding me. Now you're just expanding it. I love that you have this podcast. I love that you're giving soulpreneurs a a voice and a platform and a way to connect. I thank you for that. I know probably every guest and as well as every listener is probably thanking you for that. I think you're probably inspiring a lot of dormant soulpreneurs out there to just stop thinking about it and just start taking some steps And I think that's really beautiful soul work that you are doing. It's not only about making a buck. It's about how you make a buck. And more importantly, why you make a buck. You just just nailed it right there. So I, I have so much respect for you for all of those things. And I know there's a lot of us out there who, you know, say like, I'm not a business person and I'm not a tech person. And I, it's just too many things to learn out of my wheelhouse, but you definitely, you say yes. And so we say yes too. (laughs) (laughs) Say yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Nick. I appreciate it. I love you very much. Love you too. Thank you. For 30 more years. For 30 more years. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends, please rate, write us a review and subscribe so we can spread the word and other soulpreneurs just like you can find us.